Ross Delphit. Yum. Talk about that Dune's awesome. Dune, Dune is, is awesome. Dune, um, your mom! There we go. So, so. Um, do we want to start, I guess? should I? Do you want me to introduce, I guess? I guess sure. I'm barred from ever doing yes. an intro again. I'm glad that you've noticed. <laughs> you know next week it's going to happen. It's inevitable. I'm no, inevitable. it's not. Not while yeah. I'm still alive. Not while I'm still kidding. I got, I got blood pumping through my veins. But it's over and over. Oh, and over. Um, you find yourself 10 miles out of Mammonburg. Um, I've decided that Mammonburg is in the Midwest for this episode. Um, the, the, the Fremen of the Midwest are, uh, riding around on whatever that we have, uh, <laughs> This is going great. Um, Do you not have horses in the Midwest? Well, I guess we have horses, but I was like trying to think of what the equivalent of a worm would be. They're just horses the size of school buses. Is well, that is that like your like the the governor or? <laughs> Kim Kim Reynolds is the <laughs> the sandworm of the Midwest. <laughs> oh man. Uh, no, yeah, uh, they, they, they do that thing. Um, and, you know, it, it's become, oh, okay, no, I know what I'm doing here. Okay, all right, yes. The Fremen of the Midwest, uh, have, have gathered for the, the rite of passage, uh, where the, the lowly, the lowly prince who has joined their ranks, Philip, is about to, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Dude, his his rite of passage to join in front of them a a tornado forms, <laughs> the holy tornadoes. It 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 comes out and starts spinning, and at this moment, your three fremen tour guides uh begin to start chanting. Phil has to ride the tornado. <laughs> I-, I love that I'm the uh, the Messiah of Des Moines. Yeah, that's what's going on. Yep, you're the Des Moines. Um, I'm I'm Messiah. the Moine Des Moines. The Des Moines Muad'Dib. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, t- today joined at this this wonderful rite of passage moment. Uh, I I am of course Josiah. Um, I guess the the Shawnee of this scenario, uh, and and I've got uh, Phil here. I'm. <laughs> Am I am I ready to ride the tornado, guys? I got I got a wingsuit. I got uh I got basically parachute pants because I heard those were pretty good for riding tornadoes. I stole them from MC Hammer's closet. They're like a sacred garb or something. Uh, anyway, I see the tornadoes coming pretty close, and uh, it's great. And I'm about. And and jackal, of course. Does that mean like I'm Stilgar or Yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah, Stilgar, that would be good, yeah. Yeah, that uh that that went about as well as I expected it to. <laughs> uh, Still waiting on the, the Messiah here. <laughs> yeah, no Still I, up here. Yeah, no, when uh when a, a prince from New Jersey came and said that he's the Messiah, I was a little skeptical. <laughs> I mean, could, he could be, he could be the Messiah to yeah, lead us the out whole... of the, to, but I mean, I'm, uh, considering how I'm, I'm watching him just flop around the tornado, I, I, he <laughs> looks like one of those, like the waving arm guys that you saw, like the, the car, the car dealerships of old. Uh, yeah, yeah. This is making the whole, uh, meet me and, and Phil Love interest thing pretty embarrassing. I definitely chose pretty incorrectly here yeah no you uh you that was um interesting choice and partner i would say uh i i mean do what you're gonna do but uh man he is he is not doing well on that tornado wow. uh, um hey hey weird weird italian prince man uh <laughs> Remember this, if you are the chosen one, which I'm gonna be real, I'm having some some real doubts <laughs> some about that right serious now. Serious doubts about it. Yeah. Uh, 
You have to remember, fear is the mind killer. Fear is the mind killer. How it's the little to death. Think about that in the middle of a tornado? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think we're gonna wait a little longer for that Messiah, guys. Yeah, yeah, a couple more centuries. Ah, I feel probably. like I'm on a tilt a whirl. Welcome everybody to Mammonburg, uh, a Mammonburg special for the fellows. Uh, for the Finch, Finch has not joined us uh, this this uh, day, but uh, we will we'll try our, to do our best to to keep this thing going. Gonna do my best to keep these two fucking yahoos in check. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Good the news, other everybody. Voice of reason is gone now, Jackal. It's just you against Phil and I. <laughs> Good news, everybody. The tornado spit me out. Onto uh, what I can only describe as, like, the Midwestern equivalent of a marshland, which is, like, the dung pile where all, like, tri-county farmers keep their shit. I, I love your uh, you guys uh, giving your impression of what you think the Midwest is. Not that it's great or good, but <laughs> it's, like, a different type of fucked up than you imagine. <laughs> oh, I, I, uh, my image of the Midwest comes from... Uh, uh, an idea that there's a lot of very lonely people out in the middle of the flat nowhere staring at cows until they go insane and kill everyone around them. You know, it's not totally wrong. I mean, you've had, I mean, uh, who is the famous serial killer? You, you, Wisconsin has produced like two uh, serial yeah. killers. Um, well, it's because they hunger for cheese. Thirstily. I don't think that's... They, I, they try to I, look I, for I, it in the bodies of innocent, young, nubile women. That's a Wisconsin thing. We we don't do that. They just so uh, happen to, you know, kill so almost I'm, exclusively I'm, women in their lust for cheese. Yeah, no, there's more, I'm, uh, I'm, it's more, like, hate crime oriented down here, but yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> we're, I mean, we're all thinking about it. Everybody knows that, like, one day there will be a serial killer who just, like, becomes so madly deranged that they put on, like, a Green Bay Packers, like, cheese head and, like, stalk the... <laughs> just, like, stalk so the that's... annals of, like... So, so, I think that's less of a serial killer and more of a slasher villain. I mean, listen... <laughs> We're, we're reaching, like, critical mass. Eventually, serial killers are going to have to spice it up a little to stay relevant. You're going to have yeah, to add they, a gimmick. That's true, because, I mean, it's kind of like... I don't know. Like, that's why it, it kind of kept me from ever getting into a lot of true crime stuff, is after a first few, you're kind of like, okay, yeah. He kidnaps women and eats them. All right. Like, it's the same thing, you know? Yeah, you got to spice it up a you little gotta bit. You got to do something. Your cannibalism's too boring, my man. You got to <laughs> add a gimmick. <laughs> you need- you the need a eldritch knowledge of G Day Vance. Anyway, speaking of serial killers, let's go into J D Vance. Well, I was oh, gonna right, say, yeah. I, I was gonna say we should we should just mention that Dune rocks since we opened on a Dune reference. Dune rocks. Yeah, uh, is that the opinion? Is that the official? Well, you've seen it now, yeah. right? Officially, are we all in the camp that Dune yeah, was a success? We are, we are now in the uh, in the in the official Dune camp. Uh, Dune, Dune rocks, rocks hard. It was yeah, Dune, so much what I wanted. It was just well, so actually much more what I sans hard. Yeah, and it's uh, it's been funny uh, because at least I saw like one thread where someone was really mad because um, theaters are showing Eternals less now to make room for more Dune showings because the demand is so high. <laughs> yes! I mean, yeah, because yes! uh, I mean, I, I mean, uh, like the thing, the thing about it is is that get a do a bit of comic book nerd shit for you somehow uh disney has found a way to make one of the most colorful uh things that jack kirby had has ever made which is saying something for jack kirby if you've ever seen an example of his art it's basically like looking to a cosmic telescope uh weird <laughs> like weird colors and shapes that you hadn't even thought about that that guy just drew on the regular yeah somehow they found a way to make this cosmic space odyssey that he imagined um into uh something that was bland looking um, have you have you watched it i have not yet? watched eternals no not yet. i haven't i haven't um, yet I, well i don't I really watch, watch it Marvel, uh, but... i i am gonna watch it um and to annoy phil i might become an eternals guy uh just to fuck with him 
Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it's like I, you know, uh, it's fine if somebody it might likes be it. fine. It's not it, like, that. It might be fine. I, I, it, I've heard that like it is like the opinions have diverged quite a bit. Like from the general opinion is that it's fine, but it's not like uh, it's not awful. Um, and it does some different things, and it's uh, like. But I, my main thing, and this is kind of this is kind of a criticism that I have with Dune a bit is that. Why can't we have more colors? I want more mm. like color color shit in my movies. Yeah, uh, like yeah, I, Dune at least has the everything. excuse of being on a desert planet. <laughs> yeah, but, but still, you could do a lot more with that. Like yeah. that's not an excuse. So, uh, basically, my opinion on Eternals is that you know it, it it's more like <clears throat> horrible, horrible, horrible Marvel slop. That is becoming so, like, homogenized that, like, it's nearly indistinguishable from anything else. It's just yet another May- Marvel movie and, and, we have to sit through. Yeah, and maybe maybe it's fine. Like, I don't I don't even know. But I, I think I just get a bit of schadenfreude from, like, I don't know, how much Marvel has taken over the theaters to see that they're, they're or even just Disney in general, I think, to see that it's possible to do, like, a big, cool blockbuster outside of disney that was that was like what it's been that is like, super cathartic like even even if eternals is fine like watching like dune shove it out of the main for a second was just cool uh i don't know it's it's just a cool feeling to see that oh it's possible to make like a, a cool blockbuster which and i mean like I, if, if there was ever going to be something it was going to be dune that was gonna break it um because One, of the nature of oh, this, yeah. of the Dune could go, could have really gone like either way. Because something that I was concerned about was that Dune was such a foundational thing for a lot of sci-fi that a lot of sci-fi took from it. So I was concerned that a lot of people were going to consider it derivative, even though it was it was the, the original, originator. Yeah. yeah, people would be like, "Oh, this is too much like Star Wars or something Sweet. like that." Yeah. This is a joke that Jackal might get. So, um, basically, Eternals has done to Jack Kirby's art what Vince Coletta did to it. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. If you're not a comic book nerd... I, I'm, uh, I'm saying that's good. I have no idea what's... yeah. <laughs> uh, at some point, we're going to have a podcast where Jackal uh, tortures his co-hosts about comic book knowledge. And I'll... I'll, I'll you'll get the joke. Alright. <laughs> um... For all of you who read comic books, you know what 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 we're talking about. Um, but yeah, no, uh, it's I I'm very I'm happy that Dune's doing so fucking well and that it, it seems that we're gonna and get that it, it, the it green they greenlit the second one, and I didn't think that was gonna one. happen to be honest. Well, guys, I need to tell you this straight up. Um, something extremely important that I just have to get off my chest is that Eternals finally, for the love of God, has normalized heterosexual sex. I'm so happy. <laughs> um, I think it's pretty funny because, like, okay, I was I was like doing comedy when the pictures of Q Mail uh, getting just like fucking ripped were like coming out, and so like oh, I remember that God. was that was a big discourse among like at least Iowa comedians where they're like, oh man, that's crazy. You know, he used to be the little dorky guy and now he's all ripped. And so then seeing the pictures from Eternals where they just CGI'd at like out his body. <laughs> so fucking funny. <laughs> What's really funny is that like, he must've done like, you know, those like ads you get where it's like, is your jaw game kind of weak? Here's something that'll strengthen the muscles in your jaw. And it's yeah. something you, it's basically like a jaw exercise tool that you <laughs> shove in your mouth yeah you like chew on like lead for a while and just like strengthen i'm up. pretty yeah. sure that's what like kumil manjani like did to his face to make it just bulge out in so, a freakish so way small. that and steroids like, he had to do that because that's the only muscle that's visible after the cgi <laughs> yeah <laughs> but he tried like- he tried so hard what do you say jaggle Oh no! It was. Um, it, 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 I guess something I was going to tie into that I think that it's I I miss in superhero movies when like the superheroes look normal, like they look like people, and not like mm. weird. Yeah, you know, a that they like that they, they they do now. Because like you remember when like in the first X Men movie when like Hugh Jackman was like he was ripped, but he was like ripped like a normal dude. Um, well, yeah, because I mean, in a way, like, I mean, I'm not a, I wasn't a superhero kid too much, but like, 
its start was kind of like escapism for nerds. And I, I don't mean this in like a de- like diminishing it way, but it really was. It was like, you know, you little nerd man could be a superhero. That's why like you like, I don't know. That's why a lot of a lot of the early superheroes have like their, um, uh, you know, their, their, their you know, their their day job is being a dork. <laughs> You know well, I mean, I mean? Uh, well, okay, that's something that interesting about that is that that's that wasn't a, a trend for superheroes for a while. In the beginning, oh, really? it was that they were the they were the perfection. They were they were all they were more like like pulp figures than yeah, yeah. than necessarily what you would think about like superheroes. Because if you think about like Superman or Batman, like mm. they're not exactly like uh, like attainable figures for for regular people. Um, yeah, but they're they're still aspirations. Because if you think of like your pulp yeah. like. Like Conan and Conan the Barbarian, that is supposed to be like kind of nerd escapism, where it's like I'm going yeah. to imagine for a second that I am this fucking ripped barbarian. That I mean, that, that, that's definitely that's definitely and, real, that's definitely true for like Superman, which he was made by like two Jewish kids from from like Cleveland. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, was, yeah. That was definitely like a like a big uh, aspect for. For like the reason why Superman came to be, and Batman was basically like directly based on like the Shadow and yeah. like pulp detective stories. So yeah, well, there was even that like listen, that kind of skepticism. Everybody knows that like cr- directly after Conan came out, they were starting to advertise wheel based workouts. Everybody knows that was a whole big <laughs> industry just uh, getting ripped on the wheel. Uh, you just like get conscripted into the wheel. Conscripted into the wheel. Get into yeah, the you wheel. just the wheel. It's called the wheel workout. You push a big wheel. Yeah, oh but no, like I liked the like I don't know. I liked the some of the earlier um, I don't know superhero movies kind of captured that like nerd becomes you know like insane because like that, a, that was a, something that like a, a factor with like the Raimi and even the Garfield movies later had the, yeah. the, the Garfield movies were a little less because they could make that guy look uncool. Um, yeah <laughs> but like they they had like the thing it's like yeah no he was like a kid he's like yeah. a nerdy dork and now and then, he's like yeah and then and then he finds out he's from another planet or he was bitten by a spider or some you know some shit happens and, something that's yeah. interesting is that you do have superheroes that are not like a lot of them are like uh like the dc stuff like mm-hmm. superman Bat- batman wonder woman they're they just kind of are um mm-hmm. There's not really a like, uh, like uh, they were a regular person and then this. Um, maybe a bit for Superman, but like, uh, like yeah. Batman and Wonder Woman are like, nah, they're just like Batman. Just like he's a, he's he's a he's like a uh, a dude with his persona, detective. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, and Wonder Woman is is uh, is is a is a is, a, is an Amazon from from Greek legend. Yeah, I mean, my yeah, favorite yeah. superhero is Squirrel Girl, who is just a squirrel. <laughs> so many people are not going to know what that is. I love that. Um, uh, uh, I don't. I, I do the. I realize as a host, I do the Jimmy Fallon thing, where I just like laugh at what everyone says, even though in the back of my head, I'm like, oh, I, I mean, it, she's the only person. <laughs> she's one of the only few people to ever kill Thanos. I yeah, see she is. That's true. That's 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 true. Look up Squirrel Girl. Uh, uh spoilers, but, man. Oh, they've killed Thanos like five times in the comics. Who cares? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't care. They uh, killed Thanos has died like fifty times. Doesn't matter. Um, uh, Spider Man yeah. gets his shit rocked on like a bi-weekly basis. Yeah, there's like fifty Spider Men now, but uh, yeah, yeah. Well, oh, that's that's why I liked rocked. I liked Spider Verse. I liked into the Spider Verse. Like I liked I liked that kind of I don't know. It felt like it leaned into that dorkier some, shit. At some point, I'm gonna have to do like a thing of like why I think Spider Verse should be like a template for comic book movies going forward. Yeah, um, well, it's it's such a love letter to comic books. Like I, I remember leaving that feeling like I wish I grew up with comic books because it like I don't know, I just like had that. I don't know. Yeah, no, like I I remember when I left the theater, it was kind of the first time that I really saw like a comic book on screen. Um, and not it was a celebration of the medium it wasn't trying to reject like what it came from and try to be you know like oh no we gotta be we gotta you know we're serious now we're serious serious. we're serious hollywood movie yeah serious hollywood movie and said like no we're a comic book movie we have fucking fun with it like we're gonna make it look like a cop we're gonna have the half tones and the the 
like the the, the jackety stuff. Like it's gonna be anime. It's gonna end. If you don't like it, fuck off. Because this is what it is. Yeah, it's it's um, it's nerd stuff. You know, it's although I don't know. I will say one of the funniest running gags in the comics. Now that Miles Morales and Peter Parker exist in the same world in the comics. <laughs> Is the joke that pe- my like Miles has become more popular than Peter Parker, so that Which whenever in, Peter in Parker has, shows up, uh, in, in a way he has. Uh, I I will. We're gonna. I'm not. We're not gonna have this dominated all by by talking about comics. That'll be a separate episode where I talk. No, no, people. yeah, sure. uh, no. But it's but, such but, a good gag that like Peter Parker will show up on scene to like stop like, a crime. You're not Spider Man. I, They'll be yeah. like, wait a second, aren't you supposed to be shorter and have a black and red suit? And he's just like, Ugh. No, um, I'm yeah, the, oh, yeah, yeah. No, okay, yeah. I, I liked uh, Into the Spider-Verse because uh, it was relatable. Not not the main guy, but the, the divorced fat Spider-Man, the Jake Johnson one. I, I liked, I, I felt like I connected with him. You know? He's actually canonically <laughs> Peter Parker from Earth 616, which makes it funnier. Is the thing fun. is, though, that doesn't really make much. I don't. We'll get into that another time. Anyway. All right. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I um, you don't understand. Once we start talking about comic book, uh, we're gonna be. We, we're opening a door. Well, what about if we talk about? Let's talk about someone else who's a bit of a cartoon character. If you I, yeah, I was going to say, so So J.D. Vance uh, posted on Twitter <laughs> that uh, he was, he's begging for money. And he is like, okay, if somebody gives me $10,000, uh, they, they can have dinner with me and Peter Thiel, uh, which is... Uh, so like cruel to that like is, rob someone and then make them hang out with him and peter Thiel. that is uh, <laughs> that is a i can only there i would to be honest i would prefer to uh to go through the entirety of the first saw movie uh mm. then then go through that i would rather put my <laughs> hand in a toilet full of needles than go yeah. through that that would be a more pleasurable experience than talking um, to those two <laughs> Or hearing them talk. Well, he had the, he had the option too because it would be a Zoom call that you could donate two hundred dollars and then you get to ask him a question. And I almost like if it didn't mean giving him money, I would almost do that so I could ask him what kind of contacts he wears to hide his yellow lizard eyes. Um, I, I would, I would, I if I if I wasn't a broke college student, I would I would do that and ask him uh, if he could ask his wife to call me back later. So. My my pet peeve here is that like you spend ten thousand dollars and what's gonna be what's gonna happen is you get duct taped to a chair and then they put one of those small little dick cages on you <laughs> you know they just lock up your member you know what they're saying and then they just like whip you repeatedly <laughs> for four hours yeah they just do the they do they tie you up and they do the clockwork orange thing and you have to watch the netflix hillbilly elegy if you're ever curious again why i don't let you do the intro just think back to what you just said here and then well you'll you'll know yeah well listen i want to i want to tell you this straight up so like no if you've ever you don't watched have to Netf- tell me this straight up no, no if you've ever oh, watched no. netflix's no, adaptation of hillbilly elegy it's no, basically just like a bunch of like famous actors being paid to be crackheads and then like mm. <laughs> what's to be done about the crackheads? Look at them. Oh, we are we are liberal elites who look down on the crackheads. Uh Trump would make a great president. Goodbye everybody. This movie yeah. is apolitical by the way. It's a apolit- no, okay. So, so let's let's assume that nobody here knows who JD Vance is. And so I'll I'll give a quick bio if you guys would like. Um, well, his sure, name would imply it. he's a cyberpunk character like a police detective. You know, yeah, not quite not quite like that. I mean, it's similar is he, here. Is he, so I'm, I'm going to assume that he's a fan of cooking. So yeah, yeah, a couple couple decades ago in Yale, uh they you know, they did a, a project where they started uh, experimenting with cloning. And growing little uh, little people inside of test tubes, and and one of those was named J.D. Vance, um, and he was produced to kind of like fill this itch right around the beginning of the Trump admin, where liberals were like, "What the fuck is going on?" Because they, you know, Trump just got elected. They're like, "What is happening? This country feels insane. We have to look back and understand like the South in Appalachia that elected him." Not not to mention that actually. 
they didn't elect him. But you know, whatever. We're going to try to understand poor Southerners that that support Trump here. Yee-haw. And so, so they they produce this little man named J.D. Vance in in a in a test tube. And, you know, he came out and he wrote this memoir about this life that they'd like, you know, that they'd ingrained into his brain, these little like false memories they'd give him, um, you know, about how much he hates his mom who does drugs and, and all that stuff. Um, and, it, you know, it's a pretty apolitical book in a weird way, but it's also very political because if you read it, you can kind of be like, eh, you know, these are just his personal experiences, I guess. But then every once in a while, he'll be like, see, this is why we shouldn't have welfare. Um <laughs> But, you know, on the whole, it's like, it's just kind of a benign book. It's just whatever. But as as the Trump admin continued on, this this clone man started to believe uh, the story that he was saying. He started to believe that he actually was this populist figure uh, and not like a little brat that was friends with like Amy Chua at Yale. And now he's like gone off like rogue, like the liberal Yale people can't control him anymore. And he's just like going on Twitter and being like, we should lynch professors. Um, and that's JD Vance now. <laughs> he's just really milking the, uh, well, everything to be honest. Uh, so, so it suffices to say, I think that, uh, the scientists at Yale who started this project, uh, should have. <laughs> Should have read Frankenstein and realized that this yep. is very predictable, a very yeah, predictable I mean, outcome. It's really a sad story, and and I think that probably everyone at Yale should be taken to the to the Hague. Uh, you no, know, to be tried, there should but... be there should be war crime charges, uh, <laughs> crimes against humanity charges brought yeah, up. Yeah, this is creating this a something that is quite quite literally. I I don't think that this is uh, that this is an exaggeration to say that uh, a an abomination unto mankind, um, a bastardization unto the Imagio <laughs> Day, that is uh, J.D. Vance. Um, so, I, I have a little poem I wrote. It's called, Hello, my name is J.D. Vance. It's two lines. Um, Hello, my J- name is J.D. Vance. I just got up and shit my pants. That was really good, Phil. That's Thank beautiful, you. Phil. Thank you. <laughs> Did you write that yourself? I just, I just wrote that. You should be very proud. You should submit that to to a to a contest and see if you get something. Yeah. Oh God. So yeah, no. no uh, uh, J D Vance, the uh, the um, an abomination the unto the Lord itself uh, that escaped from his. Uh, he also is really into eugenics. <laughs> yeah, who doesn't he's... like who doesn't like a good well, eugenics? You know, that, that's, measuring that's, skull I shapes don't. and all. That's what happens when you hang out with Peter Thiel. Like in general, that just kind of happens. I think is you get another really into, like, another weird possible. I think shit. now I have a theory that Peter Thiel was uh, is a, is a result of a of a Nazi experiment that that only emerged from cryogenic uh, it's cryogenic sleep uh, during the two thousands. <laughs> yeah, it was like in a bunker in Argentina. <laughs> From like up until a couple of, decades one ago. of the other like 150 clothes of hitler that that were around accidentally released it you know eventually at some point after you clone like uh hitler like after 200 and something times like eventually like the hitlerness starts to go away and they start turning into like weirdos yeah they start inventing paypal and stuff it's- i mean mind <laughs> you you're starting out from a weird place and it only gets weirder <laughs> True. Yeah, you get you get a lot weird. They tried to combine it with with like the DNA of a frog and uh, and the. It's, it's the, like the uh, Bene Gesserit, uh, you know, breeding program. Except instead of getting, it, except I think <laughs> I, I will. I think I think I'll say that Paul has done and throughout his entire journey will probably do less damage to, <laughs> to the cultural framework of of the known universe than what Peter Thiel has done. Yeah, because it's the the Benny Gesserit plot in Dune results in this messiah figure in a holy war, but Peter Thiel produced PayPal, so you know it really is impossible to say. And also, I I would say that Peter Thiel does literally want to be a god king, Uh, so that (laughs) that also is a bit of a that's a bit of Paul didn't want to. Uh, well, listen. We already so, uh, know. We already know that position is occupied by Henry Kissinger. So. Yep, that's right. <laughs> well, I think Henry Kissinger is more of a Baron Harkonnen figure, in my opinion. But. Yeah, it's. How's yeah. Harkonnen? Yeah. 
Anyway, Vance and Teal are hilarious as a combination, too, because Vance's whole, like, populist shtick, man of the people, you know, I'm a fellow hillbilly-like thing. Which he's not even a hillbilly. He's not, like, hillbilly. He's from Appalachia. (laughs) Like, I get the memoir. A lot of the memoir, um, you know, deals with him, like, embarrassed for the first year at Yale because, like, he didn't read The New Yorker and, like, he didn't know which spoon to use at the fancy dinner or whatever, but he also still went to Yale. <laughs> like, like, dude, like you went a, to Yale. That's not a new, new class. Now you're not, <laughs> you're not the man of the people anymore. And so then it's turned into this whole shtick where he's the kind of guy that'll be like, Oh, you know, uh, you know, Epstein didn't kill himself like populist kind of conspiracy stuff. Well, I, I think that's true, but you know, like, Oh, you know, Epstein didn't kill himself while like hanging out with people on the flight logs. <laughs> like, <laughs> right, let, let's, let's put it like this. If Peter, if, 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 uh, if, if Janie Vance had the opportunity, he would have absolutely gone, gone to, to the Island. He would have gone to Epstein's Island. And then when like Epstein's Island came out, he'd be like, see, this is what happens when the CRT technocrats, you know, get an island this is what which know. again like something is so funny is that like his thing with technocrats when he's hanging with fucking peter teal so okay i That's mentioned this about. yesterday in a in a different chat i'm in on twitter and uh i said that like we were talking about how like now there are like technocrat wars between the mayors of like several cities and uh i just want to also interject that um I accidentally did that thing that I'm known to do where I accidentally predict a historical event and I spoke it into reality because I keep doing that for some reason. Yeah. Uh, Apollo has cursed me with the gift of prophecy and I can't escape. Mm-hmm. So uh, I said that uh, after someone was like very depressed, I was like, oh, well, uh, you know, next week we'll find that out that like the tech bro mayor, mayor of L.A., is like embezzling taxpayer dollars to uh, load his NFT wallet with uh, Juggalo sex <laughs> NFTs. <laughs> so I'm just I waiting on that one to come to fruition right. in the next so two I, years. Phil, Phil, hold on. I need you to know this. I really, really hate what you just said. I hate it. <laughs> like there's a, I have like a, like a visceral, like the kind of just immense dislike that I feel for what just came out of your mouth is only it's incredible. The only similarity that it has to is the kind of anger and hatred that I felt when I. When, like, when I first opened up Twitter, like, this is a, I, <laughs> this is a, this is an experience for me, and I want you to know that I, I, uh, that I, I don't know if I can ever forgive you for this. Yeah, but kind of like Twitter too. I, I have the same relationship with Phil, where it's, it's horrified but intrigued. <laughs> I will just <laughs> say things on Twitter.com, and clergy will be like, "Yeah, okay." Yeah, it's how do clergy follow any of us? I mean, look, I I'm less I'm less ups, uh, like ostensibly fucking just strange than Phil is on Twitter. That's like, true. That's true. I have I, like I I am of let's be honest of the people here like that are present on the podcast at the moment. I'm the most normal on Twitter, and that's okay. Saying something. Okay, all right, Mister Normal over here. Yeah, like yeah, the other day we were normal, talking about a weirdo. The other day we were talking about the milk thing. Everybody was going off about the milk thing. Everyone, but I I stood out of it. I I looked at that, I thought, you know, it's not even worth making a joke about. I don't give enough of a shit about this to even make a joke. So, here's what happened, you know, I comment on a priest's thread who's like, "It's it's perfectly normal to drink milk. And I'm like, you know, milk's good for you. And I was just like, I, it, it seems like so many people are just intolerant of lactose, you know, making a joke about it. And then, like, you know, it just uh, basically, you know, devolves into like, oh, well, you know, I get it. You know, some people can't have milk and I don't think they understood I was joking. So I was like, well, you know, I go through like several gallons of some something per week, but I can't say what it is or else oh, I'll get banned off of Twitter. And, uh, oh my god. For context to the listener who isn't completely brain poisoned from Twitter, there was a lot of people dunking on someone that showed up on some news thing and the clip was floating around where they were like, 
Yo, the the supply shortage thing really matters because if you're a family, you know, the price of milk going from like two, you know, two dollars and thirty cents to two dollars and seventy cents does matter if if you buy like four gallons of milk every week or something. Which is an insane <laughs> I have we have I've never I've never seen four gallons of milk in my fridge from the moment that I could realize the moment that like consciousness hit me. I've never seen four gallons of milk. Yeah, and like, I, you know, some people Outside were like saying... Outside grocery store. Maybe, maybe that's, you know, like, well, I grew up in a family that drank a lot of milk and then had like 10 kids or something. And it's like, yes, yes, I know that probably exists, but that is an insane thing to say on TV. Look, I'm, I'm going <laughs> like, to look, look, say this. If you, have ten, if you have 10 children, you're going to be spending a lot of money anyway. Regardless, right. you have 10 human beings to care for. Uh, milk is the least of your worries yeah honestly like oh man you, you see the prices of meat prices of meat fluctuate all the time and it's terrible like, and that's always the like, most expensive part of any grocery shop well i mean listen is. guys the prices of meat are gonna fluctuate based on your self-esteem you know what i'm saying like you oh know the meat that's God, on the bill damn no. it damn it <laughs> phil shut up shut up please please phil phil i woke up like three hours ago please please yeah i'm just saying I'm yeah, we started you. we started recording in the stuff. mornings uh, lately, and I, I I'm actually kind of a fan of it, to be honest. I I is this because you want to get me tired? Is that is that what it well, is? Well, I will say Sleepy Jackal's pretty funny. You're more awake now, but when we first stopped on this call before we started recording, it was pretty funny because Phil made some joke, and instead of Jackal's kind of usual like "Oh my god" kind of response, he just because like. Oh, please stop. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. He's too beat. He's I too beaten do down to right resist. <laughs> See, uh, what Jackal doesn't realize is that I'm too strong for him and that I will eventually break his will. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> that that I it cut out for me. I'm glad it did. Uh, he said he was so. too strong for you. I I doubt that. Uh, but <laughs> you can't so, you can't beat a guy with ADHD. They'll just wear you down. That's true. That's true. You you doubt my stony resolve and uh, <laughs> and my my high tolerance for for listening to Yakubian nonsense. Nonsense. Yeah. So, That's right. So I, I went to uh, Hillbilly Elegy's uh, Wikipedia page, but for the movie and for the book. Um, so it turns out, uh, Hillbilly Elegy was, uh, was, uh, received three nominations for, uh, uh, from the Golden Raspberry Awards for Worst Director, Worst Screenplay, and Worst Supporting Actor. <laughs> I actually I really don't, I don't really like, that was directed by... By, by, uh, by, what's his name? By, uh, The, the kid by from that, like, Ron TV Howard. show, Ron Howard. Ron Howard, it. yeah. I don't like Ron Howard as a director. I've said this before. The like the only okay movie he's directed is really um, Apollo thirteen or Apollo mm. eleven. What's or is it Apollo eleven or Apollo thirteen? I forget it all the time. It's Apollo Which thirteen. One of, okay, one of those. Yeah. Uh, he also directed Frost Nixon, which I guess is okay if you want to believe that any justice was ever done in, like, Richard Nixon doing anything illegal, which there wasn't. I heard that Cinderella Man was was good. I'm just not Never a fan of his it. films. They're just far too generic for me, most mm -hmm. of them. I yeah. just really could not care less. And he did, yeah. like, all of the, like, uh, the... Who's that fucking writer? Um, the Da Vinci Code. Uh, yeah. Oh, Dan Brown. Yeah, Dan, Dan Brown. Who is somebody I also don't like the work of for self-evident reasons. I, like, I don't actually hate Dan Brown that much, but I hate that his novel that was a novel like a, a story make believe you know what i mean one of those uh is influenced how people think yeah, of fiction. christian history yeah, fi yeah fiction it's not yeah, real it's, i know i hate uh, it that's the, the whole the whole you still run across people it's like yeah did you know this it's like uh well no because yeah. that's not real that's he not created uh, that whole the whole genre of people who like uncover gnostic texts that like anyone who's ever like done a religion class has had to read before and then go yeah. like this is, have you noticed this is what the church is trying to hide from you 
It's well, it's like well, no, actually, it's uh, actually it's not really hidden. It's talked about all the time. <laughs> yeah, actually, I tell people all the time that like people are like, why are there non-canonical and canonical texts? And I'm like, because the non-canonical ones don't hold up to like logic or historical scrutiny. Sure, read them. That's okay. That's what I'm gonna say. Just give them a shot. Yeah, no, read them. Read them. Please, please read. If you find, if you find that, they, if you find any compelling, cool. Like if you if you find some of that stuff like compelling to you, great, great for you. Um, but I, I they actually cool they actually the, suck. They're I, so bad. I, I I find some like especially like the I find like the non gnostic ones like interesting. Like, or, and technically it depends like what you consider like non canonical. Like technically the Book of Enoch is non canonical to us. Like first Enoch is non canonical to us, but for like the Ethiopian Orthodox Church it is canonical. Um, yeah, sure, sure. So it, it it depends on it depends on the denomination. Um, some sure. Bibles are bigger than others, and some include. Uh, like, I, I don't think there's any denomination that includes, like, the infancy gospels, though. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that was, that's kind of a weird thing as I've, um, I don't know, as I've shifted into more liturgical denominations, like, I've started using, like, an NRSV Bible rather than, you know, ESV or whatever I did before that. And it's like, oh, shit, there's all these new books that I have to learn. <laughs> like, like, what's Sirach? Like, I don't... <laughs> Maccabees? Yeah, what the no, hell? Uh... <laughs> Maccabees, Maccabees are good. Maccabees um, cool, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like uh, like I read them, read all of the like you know all the heretical. So I'm in a, uh, I think the official Maccabees position is read them, go read them, go. They are free to read online. Go read yeah, as many as you want. It's not a secret. It's they're dumb. <laughs> like, they're really they're a just lot bad. of them are real stupid. <laughs> they're dumb and they they have bad theological consequences. Like. They, they do. I don't know. There is like, look, there is a reason why like this stuff was rejected. It wasn't because oh they were afraid of of finding out the truth. No, it's the, because of stupid, and that they yeah. had like the theological consequences that they had were like cut co- like consequ- like all the stuff would be detrimental to to like the church theology. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. Like, like you know, Gnosticism is always framed as this like mysterious thing that like would would have power to destroy the church or something if it was like let in but if you like take and gnosticism like, seriously no it wouldn't do that it would just be people that would go and like get into esoteric shit and believe that they're gonna go like float off and you know join the demi like transcend the world they're like like the real radical message of christianity is supposed to be the material side in in my opinion anyway it, is well, that yes go, that, that, god that, became that, a I, human opinion, being that, <laughs> My opinion that kind of goes back to there's a weird sort of under undercurrent of anti-Semitism and and Gnosticism, um, particularly what's yeah. you know directed to the Old Testament. Um, and uh, I think yeah, that the, there's the that's definitely an element. Just bad. The demiurge is evil, uh, and you know directly identified with with uh, with God in the Old Testament. Um, yeah, it's yeah, uh, it's not good. Um, it's real Plus, bad like, actually. Uh, if I remember correctly, the historical scrutiny said that the Gnostics had only ever heard of Jesus and had never really engaged with anyone who, like, directly knew him or was, like, descended from somebody who knew him. From what I know, maybe, yeah. So, maybe, that, I yeah. guess that could depend. Do you think that Simon Magnus was a... Do you think that he was a Gnostic? Right, right. But more it's often all, than not, it just amounts to like even if there's one person they just have a very poor understanding of who jesus was as a person right well it's yeah, it's like it's do you remember when the gospel, like, like extreme when the, platonism good do you remember when the gospel according to judas came out um that that i'm that, not sure actually the the gospel of judas uh where it's uh like jesus talking to to judas and like letting him in on like the we like all the gnostic secrets of the world um and uh, people are like, "Oh, this is this is this is what the church was hiding from. This is the actual truth of uh, of Christianity." And it was uh, wasn't that a hoax? Yeah. So so yeah. Here, this is here's here's fun. The secret text that's supposed to mysteriously crack open the the secret here, right? The Gospel of Judas was written uh, in 280 AD, uh, give or take about 60 years. 
the book of Mark, which is the first gospel to be written, I believe, uh, was written at some point between 66 and 74. <laughs> so a lot of uh, something to keep in mind, a lot of the gospels that we like the, the canonical, the synoptic gospels, even those that are not synoptic, like those were yeah. written more contemporaneously with those who knew Jesus than than any of the Gnostic stuff. Like this came yeah. significantly later. Yeah, no, the Gnostic Which stuff is, is why very it's so much. Weird. Yeah, the Gnostic stuff is very much specifically trying to apply a, a Platonic, like a Platonic worldview onto Christianity. And while yes, like like pl- like Greek philosophy is influential to Christianity, and I think when people try to act like it isn't, that's silly. Um, it is influential, but what the twist on like platonic thought is to Christianity is the idea that the, the great transcendent thing came down to earth. I don't know. It's cool. <laughs> yeah. Like there, it's something, cool, uh, but it's I, not I, something I'm um, Rowan, Rowan Williams, the arch, the archbishop of Canterbury. Um, good guy. Good guy. Uh, he, he said, uh, like, uh, he said, uh, this is a demonstrably late text, uh, which simply para- parallels a large number of quite well-known works from more eccentric fringes of the early century of the church. Um, yep. which is true. Yep. Like, I don't like something that like is, I, I think part of this comes from just like poor literacy on, on like religious texts and not understanding yeah. sort of that these, you cannot view these things as the same way that you would view like, like the Iliad or of work of fiction yeah. or nonfiction, like these, they're they're their own genre therein of themselves, and yeah. you can't. And and when it comes to something like this, you also have to look at where is it coming from, and like the like the fact is like it, it's basically like a very early version of like a conspiracy theory of like yeah, well you know Judas is being asked about, but what if he, but what if he knew the actual true gospel and everyone well, else. Did. Yeah, because because okay, the the whole like Dan Brown thing, or or not not Dan Brown himself, but like the people that like buy into that like mentality of like, oh, these are the documents that the church is hiding from you. To me, reflect more illiteracy on their own end because uh, this you could see this in a lot of right wing stuff too. Like this is kind of how the CRT panic has been able to take off so well. Is they there's a way to like frame it as like like these texts are out in the open. You read them. But if you frame them as these are the things that people are hiding from you, it, it like changes your way of approaching them. Um, you know, so like the Gnostic texts is framed that way in a more positive light where it's like, oh, these are the real gospels that, you know, the church doesn't want you to read as like the CRT shit is it's kind of doing a similar thing, but it's like a negative version where it's like, oh, you know, like, you know, uh, thinkers like Delgado have like snuck into your schools or something like that. Um, but like those think it's not a hidden thing. I mean, they're not in schools either, but like, it's not a hidden thing that there is an influential legal theorist named Delgado that you can Google and read his book called Intro to Critical Race Theory. You know what I mean? It's not a, it's not a conspiracy. <laughs> like, not like, it, it's, it, I think that part is like, it, it's, it comes from, again, we're going to have to do this episode at some point. The, the Umberto echoes, uh, the, uh, earth fascism, the, the enemies both strong and weak. This is like yeah, trying yeah. to paint up as this overwhelmingly massive sort of thing behind the scenes while also painting as like it's very like it's it's all yeah. the same bullshit. It's always been the same bullshit. Um it's always well, been the same a lot bullshit. of it coming from like a, a Platonic angle or like coming from like the Gnostic angle is that truly Gnostic theology is just boring. Oh, you yeah. read it and it's just like yeah no there's oh. like I I was uh, I I was uh, I won't say uh, but Josiah knows I was reading a lot of like uh, Gnostic yeah. uh, stuff and it's really not I I came to the conclusion that it's really not compelling um, yeah no, no it's not compelling at all it's, it's a really cynic, it's a really cynical worldview actually it's a very cynical worldview and it's a fairly elitist worldview that paints it that the majority it of is. people will yeah. not be. Like, it essentially says, like, that you are part of a secretive elite group of people that are higher than the others who will, who knows the truth, and that this is, inherently, mm-hmm. that's something where, like, I think that's something that, that should be pointed out more when talking about Gnosticism and its relationship to Christianity, is the sort of thing that Christianity was a populist message and Gnosticism was an elitist message, inherently. Yeah, because, I mean, like, the, the, 
you know, Christianity was mocked in the early days for being predominantly a religion of like poor people, women and, women. and slaves. Yeah. It was the slaves and women that were like, you know, won over to the message. Um, like, as, go, like I, I really do want people to go and read like an, the anti-Christian, uh, sort of, uh, red arc from a lot of Roman, Roman, uh, philosophers from, from, uh, from, yeah, that, it doesn't from age that time. Well. Like it doesn't <laughs> age, like a lot of it is that I think they would fit it on Twitter <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, that's it's kind of uh, why like um I, I think like the old, like the most um honest critic of Christianity is Nisha uh because he's the one that just goes Christianity is a slave religion which and is then a good thing. says that's, that's right. which which exactly my takeaway from reading Geon uh, genealogy of morals is uh that Christianity's really cool actually but <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> actually it's actually uh my 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 coming from Nietzsche is that uh I think Kierkegaard did it better <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, because I, I don't think Nisha's even necessarily wrong about, like, a lot of his reads on Christianity. It's just it's that just he, he interprets them as bad. Well, yeah, and that's the thing, because his takeaway is like, oh, they find strength and weakness and shit. And it's like, yeah, that's awesome, man. I yeah, that's, that's good. That's that's uh, that's actually really cool, uh, Mr. Nietzsche, sir. That's actually really good that this is a, this is a thing. So, have any of you, I want to talk about something very near and dear to my heart. Has any of you ever seen the movie Pig? No. No. I want to describe Pig to you, because it goes off of that very specific thing you just said, finding strength and weakness. And Pig is an overtly Christian film from a moral perspective. You do know the premise of Pig. No. It came uh, out last Nick year. Nicholas Cage with a pig. Yeah, so the idea is that, and it sets you up for this, that it's Nicholas Cage going to be fighting his way to reclaim his truffle-hunting pig that has been stolen from you. The filmmakers essentially use the perception that Nicolas Cage would be doing a Taken-style movie because of his reputation. Yeah. But that's not what the film is about at all. The film is about an incredibly emotionally vulnerable chef who, in trying to get the last thing, his pig, the last thing in the world that's important to him after he retired to, like, the wilderness and isolation after a bunch of, like, incredibly sad events happened in his life. And he was a famous chef in Portland. He goes into the city, but almost all of the things he does to get to achieve his goal centers around that, like, morality of weakness, allowing mm. it to be your strength, and, like, yeah. cutting through to people who... It essentially frames the culinary industry as the opposite, where you maintain the facade of strength in order to, like, lie to yourself that everything you're doing is, like, full of passion and love, when in reality, like, the modern culinary industry is doing something you hate and calling it art. Like, serving mm. these, like, overly elaborate dishes that just suck, but, yeah. like, because, like, yuppies think they're good, they're just like, okay, it's good then, like, I'm doing good. Like, there's an emotionally arresting scene where he goes to the restaurant of somebody who used to work under him who he fired after a week because mm -hmm. he just, like, he looked and said that his heart wasn't in it. And he asked him, like, what he wanted to do. And he said, you, like, he basically says, I want to, like, make an English-style pub. And he's like, why didn't you end up doing that? And he's like, well, because this, what I'm doing here is more important and he's like, no, 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 it, that's not why you're doing it. And he's like, it's because, like, th what I'm doing here makes more money. Mm. And, like, his response to that, like, it makes more money and it makes him more, like, culturally accepted. But Nicolas Cage's character responds to that by saying, there are so few things in this life we get to care about. Why are you doing this? Yeah. And in those moments of weakness, because he's, you expect the framing of every shot from a filmmaking perspective that centers on him is it leads into the interpretation the first time you're viewing it that he's going to get angry or upset or try to muscle his way through things because that's what just what you've come to expect of Nicolas Cage as an actor. Mm -hmm. But that never happens. Like there's a scene where he walks into an underground fighting ring where chefs take out their aggression by beating the shit out of each other. Mm. And he, since he is well known in the Portland chef, like, culinary scene, since he's well-known, he walks in, puts his name at the top of the list, everybody knows who he is, and you expect him to fight back, you expect him to, like, actually, like, do something to the guy who he's coming up against, but he lets somebody beat the shit out of him, 
mm-hmm. so that he can get information to get where he's going. Oh, interesting. Like the yeah. whole film is about weakness as strength. Yeah, and that like right. Christian yeah. And that that's something that uh like to tie it back with the like it's it, there's a framing of like that I think that there's there's always been this I think what a lot of uh, I I need to read the book. I'm probably gonna buy it for for Christmas. Um, the uh, Jesus and John Wayne that book you've read that just oh yeah so you, it's you, it's pretty good but, it's pretty good. But like this, there, there's kind of this idea of trying to like masculinize Christianity, which I know that's not a great term, but like in the context of talking about, I think that that like mm-hmm. of trying to like machismo it up, like to give it more of like that that kind of like that that strength and like that like strength and violence um yeah holy warrior uh, stuff yeah which is something that is completely antithetical to the begin like to to like the like i know that this is a, a trope of like going back to the original christianity but i think that that is something that like in the state of you know this 2000 year old religion that i think we do need to look back at how how it was conducted at its very beginning and by its original mm-hmm. practitioners who were, you know, the poor, slaves, women. Slaves and women, yeah. Uh, some of the, like, the, it was, it is not an exaggeration to say that it was the dregs of the Ro- of Roman society that were attracted by this religion, by its its message of hope. And yeah. in in, in, in the strength of, like, that the, the last will be first and the first will be last. Yeah, and, and pretty much I feel like a lot of revivals in Christian thought come from coming back in touch with that. So like I think of like the the birth of like the Franciscan movement from, you know, Francis of Assisi. Yeah. Part of that was him just actually reading the Bible. <laughs> and he goes from this, once you actually read the book. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Um or just like coming in I, I don't remember if it was actually reading the Bible, but it was coming to grips with the gospel message and going from being this just like asshole uh, warrior or whatever to like, you know, uh, the, the famous thing is like at the moment he was like converted, like truly converted, he went and like hugged a leper, you know, it was like this moment of like openness to, um, the, the outsiders of society. Um, and I was tying that in cause there was a good Magnificast episode where they talked about, um, uh, an essay about Francis of Assisi. I'm blanking on who it was by. Um, it was really good, but, uh, like what, what the the kind of Marxist look at Francis of Assisi was was coming to grips with Christianity wasn't just a religion for the proletariat, which is how a lot of Marxists try to frame it. It was actually a, a religion for the lumpen proletariat. It was the people that fell even out of the class dynamics itself. Christianity was for the people that uh, weren't even given the right to be workers. It, you yeah, know, it was like, 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 like yeah. slaves in Roman society weren't considered like, like in, they were not considered, they were, they caused workers shortages because they were not workers. Um, yeah. It's, and I do, I think that there is value in framing Christianity as a proletarian religion. I think that, like, yeah, yeah. Making it a, like, I think that the proper way to frame Christianity is that it is a pan, it's a pan proletarian religion. That's not a good yeah. way of saying it, but like, it's a religion for like the other class, for the, for the hopeless, for the, for like mm-hmm. the, those that like, which it's, I think it's interesting seeing, uh, an almost rebirth in Christianity from, uh, from queer people, um, yeah. of this sort of like, of rediscovering that, like the strength in, in, I think I, I, it, I know that for a lot of conservatives, they, they probably view that with horror, but I kind of view as this beautiful, uh, rebirth of, of something mm-hmm. that is. And, uh, Did someone say palingenesis? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, like it's it's identifications with the the people that society um, doesn't has like. has either yeah. forgotten or or actively hates. Mm-hmm. Um, there's but a reason that's... why, like I, there's a reason like why, like I think that there's a there's a narrative of like the black church that I think is is quite is quite hopeful. Um, I know mm-hmm. that it was kind of, it, it's something that I remember hearing brought up a lot about like, Oh yeah, no, that it was, uh, they like, they, which I like forceful conversion is never good in my opinion. Um, that's, no. that's, that's Jackal's hot take. I don't think that you should forcefully convert anyone. No, I don't believe um, in that either. That's, that's, uh, that's not, that's not good. Um, uh, that, that's, uh, to say the least, not great, but, mm. um, like I, I think but that there's there's something there's, there's there's something kind of beautiful in the in like attempting to to use the religion to to make but uh, the like the African diaspora pl- to placate them and to make them more 
easily susceptible to to uh to slavery uh we found mm. the hope of liberation yeah um, yeah uh, despite their best efforts uh the the message was 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 clear mm-hmm that's why yeah. the the Gnostic Gospels just don't make any sense because like if you read all of the all of the canonical Gospels they have like the same themes they have these like essentially what we're talking about all of them have this undercurrent of that many other things but also a main undercurrent of this and then Gnosticism's like nah man it's all just a fucking joke um you're better than everyone else just get used to it you just gotta transcend yeah you gotta just get out essentially um yeah it's it's stupid it's really dominant it's not relevant to especially like i i think that it really gives people an excuse of the just letting shit go by and not taking care of the world um because it doesn't mm-hmm. matter i mean the, the people do that already but like that's that just gives another level of excuse yeah. And listen, if you know, if we're stupid and wrong, all of us will team up and like bare knuckle brawl the demiurge until we're like we replace him. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna actually just... try to see if I can convince him to make me an archon. But okay. Yeah, that's the plan. <laughs> you, you wouldn't. You wouldn't fight the demiurge. You wouldn't absolutely kill a man. <laughs> I don't think the demiurge is a man. He's more like a lied face snake thing, but. That's also, also the I want to I, 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 I point out that uh, that Rod Dreyer really loved Hillbilly Elegy. Wait, what? Rod Dreyer Hillbilly Rod Elegy. Rod Dreyer uh, really loved Hillbilly Elegy. Of course he did. Of course he, he did. He said, it draws conclusions that may be hard for some people to take, but Vance has earned the right to make those judgments. This was his life. He speaks with authority that's been extremely hard won. I would say no. No, he has not. Yeah, man, like... He went I to Yale. Yeah, he went to Yale, and yes, I know it's framed. It's framed very much as like, "Wow, he's the one who got out." Like I reading, I'm reading like the good research. A lot of this seems to be like a kind of self congratulate, like say self like congratulation thing of like, "Hey, I did it." Um, mm-hmm. And it seems to not really be like getting to the issues of. It seems that he's deliberately ignoring like the actual class politics and actual reason behind like the actual sort of like undercurrent of poverty, which of course you have to ignore that. Otherwise you become one of those dirty socialists. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, yeah because he has to frame it as a moral issue. Has to frame it as a moral issue. Um, I, I guess we, we could wrap up here. Um, cause Phil has to go to work. Yeah. Um, I gotta but... go to work. Oh no. Yeah, no, that's it's been it was a shorter episode, everybody. Shorter but I think episode, uh, it was. It, I I I think that we had a pretty productive conversation about. I uh, think so, stuff. especially for us having pretty much no plan aside from make fun of JD Vance. And, uh, we ended <laughs> yeah. up talking about like the wait a second about sort of like the the real sort of like proletarian, like the not even just like the the undercurrent of like the that weakness is is strength and that uh, yeah. that those that decide that society rejects are the true. Um, are, are those Wait, who guys. find the message of a Let's, um, that was, uh... I know what we should name the episode. Oh, what? Yes. We should name it J.D. Vance's The Demiurge. <laughs> that's pretty good, actually. I, I, don't, I don't want to insult the Demiurge like that, man. He didn't, yeah, that's he, fucked he, up. The, the Demiurge is, has, has... The Demiurge has done less embarrassing things than J.D. Vance has done in his existence. Um, or you could call it, uh, J. Demiurge Vance. Either this is th- this episode captured what uh, Alien uh, said recently, which is Mammonberg is a book whose cover says sex jokes, but then you actually read it and you realize it was queer leftist liberation theology the whole time. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I love that. exactly. That's like, the message. <laughs> He's like, every episode is like 10 minutes of riffing on pop culture. And then, uh, just kidding, we're talking about Fanon this week. <laughs> Fanon this yeah. week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's, it, we, we, surprisingly, we are, and Mammonberg, surprisingly deeper than you would have expected. It's crazy. So anyway, yeah, so I want to, so last bit, I want to talk about Lady Demetrescu for, for a little, for a little no, bit. Um, I mean, that's a pretty deep hole if you know what I'm saying. Oh, oh my oh, really? God. <laughs> really? Wait, you know what? I think we almost <laughs> got through this episode without a Baba Booey, but I think that one's going to be a Baba Booey. <laughs> no, it was oh, so you're good. Gonna Wait, hold on. You're going to Baba Booey that? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> that was such a good joke. Uh, was- whatever. <laughs> I'm, I'm right. actually so upset. All right. Coward.
So, uh, all right. Well, let's, we let's, were the uh, the Fremen, Fremen <laughs> the Fremen of the Midwest, um, are are watching their their Messiah uh, fly away in a tornado. He's um, still up there. He's, still uh, up there. Wait a sec- somehow. Wait a second. I'm still. Uh, wait. I'm still up there. Ah! Yeah. There we go. He's up there. <laughs> oh uh, God! Not again. Shani is is already flirting with someone else. Uh, <laughs> uh, honestly, uh, you're better off. Yeah, no, um, I. What, I, I don't get a concubine out of this. <laughs> no, no, I don't think that you're coming down. You, it's been two, it's been two hours. I didn't even know tornadoes lasted this long. Usually, they move around. It's, it's, but it's just stayed in place. <laughs> Maybe you are the Messiah because this is like a this is unusual that's lasting this long. Yeah, this just well, blame the parachute pants. It's it's really kind of a I mean I guess there's kind of a strength and weakness theme going on here. I I think that there's a, there's I think there's a weak a difference between weakness and incompetence. <laughs> Like, right. I, I, I think there's a difference between like being weak and wearing parachute pants and a wingsuit <laughs> to go in a tornado. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, well, I've been I've been Josiah. Uh, you can follow me at Josiah W Sutton on Twitter. You can also follow. I got a I got a sub stack and all that stuff. But I'm taking a break from that because I'm working on a different writing project. But I will be I will be back to sub stack in a few weeks. Uh, uh, Phil up in the tornado. I've been Phil, and this has been Mammonberg. God, I hope I get a Mwadib out of this. Where, where, can, where, 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 where can they follow you? Where can they follow You follow me at CryptoDirector at was, gmail.com or whatever. I don't care. That was yeah, um, they, okay, so, CryptidDirector uh, was what he said. Uh, if you CryptidDirector at Twitter.com. Yeah, um, and and of course uh, Jackal, who is a Stilgar. What, what this this metaf- yeah, no, this little I'm, bit is falling I'm, uh, apart so I'm, fast. I'm, I'm just still I'm I I came back I I went I I emptied uh, I I had some some coffee some Fremen coffee I I spat on the floor um, as a welcoming to uh, to someone else I. I uh I I had some of my my body the 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 moisture suit juice uh uh yep. Yep. so I came back and he's <laughs> he's still in the tornado he's still there it's been two hours I went I like I I left I left and I came back he's still it's still in the same spot and he's still there uh <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna say that this is uh wildly disappointing but what could i expect from a white guy from new jersey coming to a bunch of brown people saying he's the messiah yeah real white Wait, saint I'm still up here. I, heard that. <laughs> I i uh i'm gonna be honest i don't care uh you can find me i think uh, the g-force is putting me to sleep i it's i where can they yeah, find you okay. jackal uh, you can find me at Jackal Jester on Jack Dorsey's Twitter.com where I make posts about uh, about um, the fear is is the mind killer um, mm-hmm. about sandworms um, and um, about uh, about how um, the Union Jack is actually objectively worse than the than the sickle and star. Um, yeah, and that demonstrably the the United Kingdom has murdered more people than the Soviet Union did. <laughs> Jackal, Obje- the most objective. normal Mammonberg host on Twitter. I am the mo- I am the most normal Mammonberg host on Twitter, and that is only because you have not seen my DMs to the other co-hosts. <laughs> yeah, those are insane, unhinged. Even. I I will say I I don't feel ounce of regret for them. <laughs> I am proud of them. All right, thank you everybody for listening. Th- thank you everybody. Uh, Have a good day. Bye. <laughs>